We are in week two of our teaching series, Unseen. We're saying that most of us, you know, we spend more time thinking about that which we see versus that which we don't see. We spend most of our time, you know, you know focusing on, on that which we do see, okay? And meaning there's a seen world and an unseen world. So I want to jump into 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, verses 12 through 17 in the Old Testament. And here we're at a time in the history of the nation of Israel where they're being attacked. Uh, they're being attacked by the Arameans, and there's this king of Aram, as the Bible describes him, and he is relentless, coming in to, to just pulverize them. And each attempt is thwarted in that they're not there. They're escaping his attempts to defeat them. And he's getting very frustrated. Like, how could this? I'm a great king. I got a great army. I got great strategies. And every time I go to get the, this enemy, they are just, they recalibrate, they change, and they're not there. And so now he turns around and he begins to accuse his soldiers, his leaders. I've got a mole in my army. And we jump into verse 12, and we hear the reply of his commanders. And they say, none of us, my lord king, meaning none of us are giving away your strategies and your plans to your enemy. But Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dotham. And then the king sent out horses and chariots and forces there to Dotham. They went by night and they surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, Elisha's servant, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? Did you ever have an oh, my Lord moment? The servant asked, don't be afraid. Elisha, the prophet, answered, those who are with us are more than those, are with, than those that are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened his servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The, this, the man saw the Lord's army. See, Elisha's servant was terrified, just like that young boy I described to you. Elisha's servant was viewing the seen world entirely apart from any spiritual consideration. He was being submerged into the then and now of the physical world right there in front of him. And Elisha, the prophet, he, perhaps he hears the panic in his voice, the look on his face, and he says to him, those who are with us are greater than those who are with our enemy. He's not looking at it in just the spiritual, in just the physical realm. He's looking at it also in the spiritual realm. And then Elisha calls out to his father in heaven, Father, would you open the eyes of my servant? And God did. And the man saw the power and the resources of God. He saw the army of the Lord surrounding the army of King Aram. And he's like, oh, I'm good, man. <laughs> right there, temperature goes down, heart starts beating. He stops beating fast, collects himself. Hey, I'm good, right? This is good. That's where we want to be. We don't want to go through life just looking at the physical, but considering the spiritual. Today I'm asking you, what do you see when you get up in the morning, you know, 
Some of you, man, before you even get out of bed, it's like, oh, no, Lord, what do I do? What am I going to do, Lord, right? Getting pounded. You set out to take on your day, kids, spouse, employees, co-workers. Just what do I do? And, and, you're, and I'm asking you, what do you see? And for some of us, many of us, maybe all of us, often we see the physical. We see the physical world, and we just are not including in our vision the spiritual unseen world that is there for us to know. Do you realize that you are a spiritual being in a physical body? You are a spiritual being. As I say over, that's why you love, that's why you think of the future, that's why you, these are all part of your spiritual being that you would not be able to do if you were just a physical being. Everywhere you go, every day you are a spiritual being. And, and, and some of you are, are more like Elisha's servant when you first wake up, you know? So, and Elisha prayed for his servant. And in the New Testament, the Bible is two parts, Old Testament and New Testament. In the New Testament, there's a, a man named Paul, the Apostle Paul. Some of you know him as St. Paul. And he writes a prayer. He says a prayer and writes it down in a letter to this group of people called the Ephesians. And, and he's praying for them that same thing, that they will not only just see the physical, but they will, they will see the spiritual things. And in doing that, inspired by God and putting it into those words, what we know is the Bible, the prayer was for us here today too. So let's jump into that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, and in the beginning of 19, to hear God inspiring Paul to write this prayer for us. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, opened, in order that you may know the hope which he, God, has called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. We are God's holy people. We are set apart in this world. And his incomparably great power for us who believe the power and the resources of God in the unseen world. Paul is literally asking God, help them see the spiritual realms. That's our prayer in this series, that you will go out and live your life understanding there is an unseen world out there. It is so real. It is just as real as the table in front of me. And if you would embrace that truth, you would be able to have a greater vision for your moment, for your month, for your marriage, for your entire life. And let's jump in now, and we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 17. And Paul is still writing. He's writing this letter. And it says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. Now he's talking talk about spiritual battles so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on a belt, belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news that Jesus gave his life for you. 
so that you'll be able to be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So now Paul's in prison when he's writing this. Yeah, he's kind of under house arrest. Not like our house arrest. <laughs> it's an ugly house arrest. He's chained to a Roman soldier. And so clearly he gets the physical world, right? And, 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 but he also, in the midst of this, he's now describing to us that there's a spiritual world in the midst of evil. I mean, he's submerged in evil. Paul wants us to win this battle, this battle between, you know, good and evil, demons and angels, God and Satan. Paul knows that Satan attacks those who believe in God, who are kingdom builders. He knows it firsthand. He's under house arrest awaiting trial. Maybe possibly he could be put to death. And he knows that when Satan often attacks he attacks our minds. Do you hear me? Satan attacks your minds. He's a liar. Jesus called him the father of lies. He's a deceiver. And he does that by going into your mind and getting into your thoughts. Now Paul's looking up at this Roman soldier that he's chained to, and he sees him decked out with all his armor, and, and he sees this helmet on him that's protecting the soldier's head. And he said, yeah, yeah, that's it right there. You need a helmet to protect your head. You need a helmet of salvation to protect your mind, not just your skull, but what's in your, meaning your thoughts. The devil is going to try and get inside your head. And Paul is giving an illustration based on the visual before him in his day. Something that they would have quickly related to. And, and in a sense, if Paul was here with us today, especially on a Sunday in America, you know, maybe, you know, he'd be saying something like, you know, okay, so if you're at home and you're chained to a couch watching a football game, right? Because some of you are chained to couches watching football games all day long, right? So, and if Paul's sitting next to you watching the game, and of course, Paul would be a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, right? <laughs> Listen, baseball's over. It's football time. This is our year. I think it's December 16th. The Steelers play the Patriots. I called I call the NFL up, and I asked him to do this for a few years in a row, okay? <laughs> if last year wasn't enough, what went on in here in this, in this building... With our church, when the Steelers played the Patriots, it was crazy in there, wasn't it? So, but this year, this year we will, we will write the unrighteousness of what happened last year, and we will win the game. So, so Paul's a football fan, just like you, and he's saying, hey, you know, look, you remember you, you played a game when you, you played the game, and you know, you're, you're, you're on the field, and people want to tackle you and crush you, and you got to put on a helmet to protect you, Right? And that's what we want to talk about today, this, this helmet that Paul is referring to, this helmet of salvation. You want this helmet for protection because the evil one has schemes to get inside your head to influence your thoughts. Huh? You see, and, and, and he wants to influence the thought of all thoughts, the truth of all truths, that you are a child of God. Hmm, yeah. And, and that God has called you to be with him forever in heaven. Ah, oh, he has. 
He, he actually created you that you would glorify him and worship him. And the greatest of all the glorification and the greatest of all worship happens, will happen when we are with our heavenly father. Yes? And this is truth. And, and this is the greatest of all truth that, that it should be the foundation of everything we think and believe and who we are. This is our identity, the core of who we are and what we believe. So the helmet is to trust God's truth. By putting on that helmet, you are trusting in what I just kind of explained to you, defined to you, about your identity and who you are and why you're here and where you're going to. And that's, what gonna, that's what's going to protect your mind in the battle. That's what's going to protect you from Satan messing up and causing chaos in your head. Some of you know what that's like. Some of you, man, you, you just, it's, it's, it's just so there, you don't even know it's there. But if you just pause and I say this over and over, you realize, whoa, what are these thoughts? Are they in any way consistent with what Dave just tossed out there about I'm a child of God and God's creating the glorify, meaning glorify God, meaning God is going to do great works in me for all to see and for me to appreciate and value and see that, oh my God, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever, and his promises are alive in me. Satan wants to cause chaos in all that, in all those thoughts. He wants to minimize them, disrupt them. He wants to just omit them. And he wants you to quit on God. He wants you to quit on God's truth. He wants you to just get away and put aside with that truth your salvation. He wants to twist it. See, he's going to twist it first. This truth this, of your salvation, of God's promise, of who you are and where you're going. How do you quit on God's truth? You know, you say, well, you know, I, I don't think I'd quit. I don't really think many people, most people, just decide, okay, today I'm quitting on that truth. I'm quitting on God's promise. I think it's a drifting. And it begins with Satan kind of twisting and pulling and prying this truth from the depths of our minds, right? And how it works is we begin to water it down. We water down that truth, right? We begin to water down that in a way that kind of fits, you know, our plan and, and, and what we've, and our agenda, which again has been established often by the schemes of the enemy, what you need, what you, what you have to have, who you really are. And we form this plan from that. And now, you know, we got this truth of salvation and, and we, we got to kind of form, we got to fit this together. There's a battle going on in your mind. It's raging day to day and Satan is battling for the influence and domination of your thoughts. I want to just kind of, and we want to hold, baby. We want to protect our minds every day with God's truth of his calling of us to salvation. This is the helmet of our protection. And, 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 and subtly and schemingly and, and just deceitfully, Satan comes in. And some of us begin to really begin to think one way versus that truth. Let's, let's jump in and see how that happens. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, same book, Paul's writing, chained to a Roman soldier, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, 
He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature, Satan putting thoughts into you, creating feelings, and driving you to action. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, damnation, hell, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. Praise God. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Meaning, it's only by the grace of God that we have been saved that we have this promise. So we're in this time of kind of a generation, if you will, of polls and surveys, right? It's a big deal, huh? We just came out of another flurry, a season in that, huh? They take these polls to see where you are. Where, they can actually kind of formulate what people really believe. And, and, and of course, they can be very misleading. But yet, nonetheless, at the end of the day, culture believes this is what people believe. This is where they really are. And so they did this poll, right, uh, on sort of uh, con sin and condemnation in America, how people see, you know, when it comes to their relationship with God and heaven and sin and condemnation in the United States. And what they did was they put out a statement, and then they would ask people how, you know, their, their thoughts to this particular statement. So the first one was this. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by their nature. Okay, so 65% of persons said, yes, this is true. 28% 28% said not true. I think 6 7% said we don't know, we're not sure. So a lot of, and by the way, a lot of the people polled profess to be Christians, people who believe in Jesus, the Bible. Yeah, they said, yeah, I believe that. that people are good, and they just, you know, make some mistakes and sin a little bit from time to time. But that's not what we just read in Ephesians, is it? What we read is that we were dead. We were, we were just dead. There really was nothing to us. We were shallow. We were hollow. It's so important that we grasp this because then we can get the magnificence of what Jesus did on the cross. For that. Now God's love is so, wow. It becomes so vivid to us. We see us for who we were and who he is. And now this salvation is so incredibly real and meaningful. It just, as I say, it floats our boat. It rises, it helps us to rise above any circumstance because we see the magnitude and the paramount of the value of our salvation. But Satan doesn't want you to see that. He wants you to think, you know, you, you, you're okay. You were okay. You were actually pretty decent. Yes, you, you know, you sin a little bit here and there, a little bit here, you know, but you did something good and you're cool. And that devalues God's love for you in your head. It minimizes the significance of what Jesus did for us. You know, we listen to that culture that tells us, by and, by and large, you are good. And we don't realize the twisting of the truth that's taking place in our heads. Let's jump in on another one. Same book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. Paul said, same Apostle Paul, says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. 
for we are God's masterpiece. Come on now. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Jesus Christ so we can go do good things he planned for us long ago. So here's another question about going to heaven or another statement that they question people on. By the good deeds I do, I partly contribute going to heaven. Meaning, by the good deeds I do, they partly contribute to me going to heaven. 53% said yes, I agree. 35% said I don't agree, and about 15% said or 13% said I'm not sure. So most people say, yeah, it's true. By doing some good things here and there, it's going to help me get to heaven. But we just read in the Bible, in the truth, and a truth that's attached very much to, the, to, to our salvation, meaning to, for our understanding, God's plan of salvation, that heaven is not a reward for the good things we have done. Doing good things will not get you into heaven. Doing good things is how you honor what God has done in your life, how you honor God, how you trust in God, right? How you trust in what Jesus has done, how you now, because you have that helmet of salvation on, you know, and you're seeing who you are and what you will call to that from that, inspired by God, inspired by his love of you, now you are so glad to do that which is truly good and in a manner that you could never have imagined yourself doing it and in places and with people that you never could have done, you could never have done. It's so different, the good things of God. Salvation is not a reward. Salvation is a promise by God to you, his creation. And we want to guard our hearts, we want to guard our minds with this promise. You see, if we think doing good things will get us to heaven, then how much do we really need Jesus? And how big of a deal was God's love for us and when he gave his son to die for our sins? You see, and, and no, no, we, we, we kind of, we, we, we appreciate what Jesus did, you know? I mean, some of Jesus and some of our good works and what we could do, and, and that'll get us into heaven. Maybe even more of Jesus than us, but some of us. And that equation is twisted and it gives us a distorted view of who God is, and it's exactly what Satan wants, because if he could do that, if he could distort your view of God, if he can minimize the magnificence of his love for you, well then, you know, game on, right? Now he begins there. You now, your mind is so vulnerable that his schemes come into your head. All right, so, so the question is, we, we have these battles. Like I said, he's getting into your head, and now he, he, we, the, the opening is there once this our understanding and our valuing of salvation is clouded or distorted. He, he's in there, and the battle starts, and he goes right to a couple of critical areas, right? And the question is, what battles are going on in your head today? As we move towards closing this out, what battles are going on in your head today? And I do think many of these battles, many of these problems come from a couple I'm going to toss out today of battles that Satan has created once he kind of stepped in, got in, peeked in through the clouds, came in under the radar. And one of them is this, Satan is wanting you to quit the truth. He's wanting you to quit God's truth. And the one truth that he would love you to quit on is this. In relationship, 
value others above yourself. It's all about relationship, right? That's what our lives are made up of. And in these relationships, Satan wants us to quit on valuing others above yourself, above ourselves. Because this is so attached to the whole story of the gospel. It's so attached to the core of our salvation. It's so connected to who God has made us, God made us to be and in worshiping him, to value others above ourselves, to consider others before ourselves. So Paul, the apostle Paul, in another letter he's writing to, same position though, still chained to the Roman soldier, got some extra time, decided to write a letter to a church he started in a place called Philippi. He writes this letter, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. He says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. God came down, wrapped himself in human flesh and an infant, Walked this earth, Jesus, all this, putting aside his deity so that he could serve you. Didn't turn around and leverage his deity so that he could, so that you could know him personally, that he could be amongst us, God with us, that we would know him personally and we would grasp the love of God even there when he struggled in the garden, sweating drops of blood, no, I will not call upon my deity, even though I am. I think I say, I wonder that's why he didn't break down because he was God, but he wouldn't access his godly powers so that we could know the depth of his love for us. He served us. We want healthy relationships. Who in here does not want healthy relationships? And if somebody really says, you know what, I don't want one, that's because you've never had a healthy relationship. I promise you that. You were built for healthy relationships, and the devil, Satan, is wanting to destroy healthy, good relationships. And that's why you need to put on this helmet. That's why you need to hold on to this helmet, God's truth. He wants to take you down. He, and the way he can do this, like I said, right in, first way out, is to bring you to a place where you want to consider yourself before others, where you want to quit on God's truth, which is to consider others above yourself, before yourself. And you're like, yeah, I'm not going to go there, you know. Sounds good, but the first conflict, the first situation, the first decision, it just goes right back to me first, then someone else. Right? Me first, then my husband. Me first, then my wife. Me first, then my kids. And how does that work? It works horrifically. It tears down that which God has given us. It, it destroys healthy relationships. It sows the seeds for the undermining and disconnect and distancing, uh, distancing of healthy relationships that we also desire. I will put my spouse first. And not you can have, you know, a cookie, and I'll have another one. And then when you leave, I'll have three, okay? I'm getting better, man. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, like, for anything, before your anxiety, before your depression, before anything, I'm going to consider them above me. 
their needs, their wants, what's happening in their life before me. Meaning, and how do I do that? Because I'm going to heaven. I have salvation. I'm a child of God. He's called me to do good works. He is for me. And he who is for me is greater than that which is against me. Well, I'm anxious. God is greater than that. I'm shaking. He's greater. What's in your head? What is Satan telling you? You're anxious because of the thoughts that he is putting in your head. Why are you depressed? It's very real. It's very painful. I've suffered from all of this. It's because of the thoughts that are in your head that are messing with all that's going on in there. Very real, very serious. But God says, be strong in your depression, in your anxiety. Hold on to my truth. Do not quit on it in your head. Fill your mind with the truth of salvation and what I've called you to. And evict the enemy and his lies that are going on. And you know that even secular, even scientists, even people who, you know, who study behavioral science say that the majority, 90% plus of what we worry about, never, never, never happens. But this happened. Jesus Christ was crucified and rose from the dead on the third day so that you would have life. This happened. And if you hold on to that truth, you are going to heaven. That will happen. So listen, we're just going to jump over that little thing up there. Look, this is a battle that you're having all the time. It's so real. Put in your relationships, value others above yourself. Value those God has put in your life. Starting in the order of your spouse, of your parents, of your children, of your neighbors, of your coworkers. Consider them and God will glorify himself through you. He will do great things through you because he has called you to do good works because of your faith. Yes? All right, here's another one, and then we'll close it out. Here's another truth Satan would love you to quit on. In all you do, you are a kingdom player. Yeah, it's just so true. You were called to be a kingdom player. Because of the salvation that you have, you are called to build the kingdom of God. Jesus said, you are my witnesses. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and then he said, I'm going to advance my kingdom here on earth, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. God, the Holy Spirit, will come upon you, and he will enable you to be witnesses to Jesus throughout all the world, even unto death. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and the beginning of 19, we, we see the Bible telling us about God bringing the world closer to him, to know him, and, and giving us who believe in him, the ministry of reconciliation. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, We, you and I, therefore are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God is making his appeal to this world through us who are kingdom builders. He's getting this message out to the world through you and I, who are kingdom builders. 
But if you don't put your helmet on, the devil will tell you you are not a kingdom player. He will tell you everything but that. He will tell you this is who your father was. He will tell you this is what happened to you when you were young. He will tell you this is what's going on in your marriage. He will tell you you have anxiety, you have depression, you have bipolar, you have this disorder, you're oppositional defiant, you're stress triggered, you're, you know, you're, you're in a stress dis, dis, uh, adjustment disorder, you're on and on and on and on, all real, all maybe help for us to us try and analyze and kind of get and understand where you are, but it's not the core of who you are, okay? And it's not what you were meant to be. You are a child of God who are called to eternity, and you are a missionary, haha, <laughs> you are, that God is called to be a kingdom player to build his kingdom. Don't be a bystander. Don't be a bystander. Don't sit out. Don't let Satan tell you that. Run to the battle. Run to the battle, my friend, with everything you got, with whatever little, thi little thing you have. Get into the battle and build the kingdom of God so that you could what? With what little you think you are or what limited you think you have, by doing that, you now experience the power and the resources of God, yes? And no one can take that from you. Satan doesn't want that to happen because how the heck, now that's a, how's he going to pry that out of your head? When you step out and do something and you extend yourself through sacrifice and overcome fears with godly courage, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 13 to 14, be on your God, stand firm in your faith, be a person of courage, be brave and do everything in love. You do that and then you see God do something through you and no one can take that from you. Nothing. You are the impact of Jesus come into this world. He's called you in your home, with your family, with your spouse, with your children, in your community, here in your church. Look, if you look at a football, well, we've been looking at a football anal <laughs> analogy, right? An <laughs> whatever, an example, <laughs> an illustration. You got this football field, you're a kingdom player, you're on the field. God wants you on the field. Satan wants you on the bench, yes? Why? Because what do you do, if, for those who play football, what's one of the first things you do when you get on the bench? Say it out loud, David. You take your helmet off. Did you get that? So when pastor's like, you know, sign to join a team Carter, we want you to volunteer, and you're like, yeah, yeah, you got And you don't realize what's going on. And, I, and, and Satan's saying, take your helmet off, stay on the bench, take your helmet off. You don't have the time, you don't have the money, you don't have the skill, you don't have the gift, and oh, you want to feel out what you really want, and we don't want to be committed to anything, right, you know, other than taking our helmet off. That's what we want to be committed to, sitting on the bench, taking the helmet off, and saying, Satan, have at it. Have at this idle mind and this idle heart. It's not what God has called you to. Keep the helmet on. So he wants you. And he, how does he do this? How does he get you to get on the bench? He discourages you. He brings you to a place of being disappointed in yourself. And you, oh, it's painful to see you go through this because God, you're God's masterpiece. He delights in you. And look what he's called you to. And he discourages you. And he brings you to the struggle. And of course, the struggle of all struggles. And that is the struggle we have with sin. That's what kept me away from just 
knowing God and coming closer to God. And man, I wouldn't even walk into a church. I honestly, I would not walk into a church because of this struggle between what I should do and what I shouldn't do and what I'm doing and all of this. How Satan just wanted me on the bench. Man, he, he just wanted me out of the stadium, okay? Apart from ever being right with God, apart from ever knowing the peace of God, apart from knowing joy, apart from knowing a, 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 a healthy relationship with a, a woman that I can love and be close with and live out life and make mistakes and grow and we come together and we battle and we keep going on, apart from, apart from salvation, apart from doing this, which didn't begin with this. It began with, you know, me and, and, and Christy with three kids, uh, teenagers, in a basement of a church. God said, you're a kingdom builder. Put the helmet of salvation on. You're a kingdom builder. It's Friday night. What are you going to do with a Friday night? What are you going to do with a Friday night, Dave? Three quarters of the people I came out of Bible college, you know what they would do with Friday nights? They got surround systems that were cool that came out. They got, and, and they sat there on Friday nights with their surround systems watching movies, videos, and all that stuff. I'm not kidding you. I'd go and I'd sit with them in Christian, and they'd be comparing about their surround systems. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And I'm like two and a half years out from like running, you know, hundreds of pounds of weed in Brooklyn. And I've got this sense of, what is this? Because I'm still valuing my salvation. I, I'm still comparing that which I was to what I am and, and in awe of what God is doing. I mean, I go to church and I give, and I'm like, wow, you just did that, man, <laughs> you know? I'm so impressed with God, what God is doing. And so I, 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 Friday night, I want to be building the kingdom. I want to be in there. And Satan knew, no, 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 no. It's not about these kids. Oh, it, they, they're part of it. It's so much more than that. It's about Jess. Huh? It's about Stephen. It's about Gina. Oh, no, 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 no. We, you, we just got to, you and Chrissy, go back home and, and, and watch videotapes, you know? And maybe watch people having sex with each other and they didn't get insecure, you know what I'm saying? And then let that creep into your marriage and cause problems, you know? Ho, ho, right? All right, I'm off track and I'm out of time. So listen, he, how many of you struggle with sin? Okay. And those of you who haven't raised your hand, you're, you're sinning. <laughs> you're welcome. But we get disappointed when we're in the midst of these struggles. We say to ourselves, why do we do that? What's wrong with us? And, and in doing this, we, right where Satan wants us, instead of pausing and saying, wait a minute, God loves me. He's with me. And, and, and yeah, this thing that I'm, this is what he, he, I'm his masterpiece. And this is what Jesus died for. And I'm just going to focus on that, not even on getting better, not even on not doing that. I just want to focus on this truth. I don't even want to say, I'm not going to do this again. And I promise, oh, God, just, just one more time. And, oh, uh, and I'm not going to even try to make, well, it really wasn't that bad. Just leave it alone, man. Just, and just focus on this truth. I'm a child of God. He's with me. He's called me to be with him. And I know the fact that I am very Right now, in this spiritual realm and talking to God, he is real. It is true. He is with me. I'm going to be with him because I believe in Jesus. Huh? Look, I've had a lot of battles. 
I've lost plenty of them. I've gotten kicked around. I've gotten discouraged. I've gotten down. But the one thing I have not done by God's glory that I'm here today is I refuse to quit. Did you hear me? I refuse to quit. I will finish this race in the name of Jesus, huh? Hear me on this. Listen to me. God won't bench you. Satan can't bench you, but you can bench yourself. You can take yourself out of the game with the way you think. You hear that? And maybe you are taking yourself out of the game because of what you've seen in the world, what you've experienced in other churches. How? 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 How are you going to look at Jesus in the ending of time and Jesus say, man, I called you to be a kingdom builder. I gave you those resources. I, I poured myself into your life. And because of this man or woman or whatever was weakened or struggled, or maybe that they're inclined to be given in to the enemy's raiding of their mind, that now justifies you pulling back, hindering, creating a pseudo-Christianity? Huh? It doesn't. Is that the conversation you're going to have? Or are you going to hear from Jesus, well done, my good and faithful servant, huh? Enter into my rest. <laughs> Satan gets in your head to discourage you and to put you on the bench. He wants you on the bench. Actually, he wants you in the stands. See, because sometimes if you're on the bench, at least you don't like being there, right? I mean, I, I never liked being on the bench. Oh, I was a terrible person to have on your team. I'm complaining and moaning and disruptive. Yeah, I was a bad kid for the games that I would show up at, right? He wants you, on, and one of the, and see, now if you understand, you might think, okay, this isn't too bad. I've got a good seat, I've got a good view, everything's all right, you know. Maybe it's box seats, right? You're comfortable there. You see, what happens is if you experience enough success, ah, if you got kind of, now you've been able to keep things together, you're looking good, bank account's good, accomplishments are good, you're succeeding, right? That you can get distracted to being a builder of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Do you, get, you wind up slowly. You're out. You're not on the field anymore, and you're in the stands. And you're taking in all that which you've accomplished. And, and slowly and surely, suddenly, your relationship with God and the God you knew is not that anymore. And your salvation is not so magnificent anymore. It's not paramount anymore. And the person that realized that years ago and was inspired by God to just, you know, to give up anything and everything to serve and love God and to build his kingdom, that person is kind of distant in memory and in influence. And God is telling you, Jesus plus nothing is everything. And God is calling you to be a kingdom builder with all he's given you and all your resources and not to hold back, huh? God is saying, play my game today, huh? We have some incredible, we have some incredible opportunities for us as a church. Just because of what we accomplish and who we are right now, man, the, the canvas is phenomenal. And it changes by the month because what's happening within Chair City Church and what God is bringing in and how he's growing people and the opportunities out there and the connections that, we're, that are happening in the community and how people see us in such a good way in the greater Gardner region. We are getting ready to move forward like never before in this community. And I'm asking you, are you on the bench or are you in the stands or will you be a kingdom player? Huh? Will you see this world from a place of spirituality in a physical world and while you have that helmet of salvation on, protecting your heart and mind? Some of you are distracted by success. Some of you are discouraged by, by sinful failures. And God is telling you today to put your helmet back on and get into the battle and build his kingdom, yes? And it, what does that look like for you? 
It all starts with you right now saying, I will not quit on this truth. I will not quit on the truth that I have salvation, that I will be with my heavenly Father forever. I will not quit on the truth of what Jesus did for me. Right now, today, as this band plays this last song, when you walk out of here today, start by asking God Almighty to show you where you've quit on that truth. What part of your life where you somehow quit or pulled back on that truth? Begin to get back on the field and be a kingdom builder like never before. And I'm going to leave you with a practical step here. You can begin to do that right now today. I'm going to give you three ways in case the enemy's already in your head to have something to hold on to. Christmas tide, every year we're doing it. It's our sixth one, I believe. So it, it's, how, it's one of the first big events that brought us into the community. It's one of the events that led us to have this building, okay? We were out there cleaning pots and plants and, and getting food ready for a bunch of kids to have a Christmas party, running around like elves and Santa. And how, it's crazy. Ladies getting knocked over and jumped over so kids could get their gifts. It was mayhem. Oh, it was. It was a rough one. It's got, we've come a long way, okay? And God was saying, you know what? Okay. You hold on to my truth. Don't quit. And you know what? There's a building right there waiting for you. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's just, I, I can't make, I'm not making this up. God was saying, just, just don't quit. Hold on to the great truth that I have. And there is a building waiting for you. And there is a time when you will, you will triple quadruple this church. Huh? Maybe at that time we'd been five times and we stepped out there. So it's been such a blessing. We, it's, it's a great time. It's electric. The PCAC doesn't even charge us. They're so glad of what we're doing in the community. They don't even charge us. Come on. People in the community are thrilled with it. You know, food, um, snacks, songs, elves, Santa's for these families, this house of peace and education, they educate children in the community, they have after school programs, summer camps, they help women with job training, they're not a Christian organization, they're an asset in this community, they're doing things that we feel that God would want done, people to be educated, yes, women to be trained and, and have their lives improved, and we just want to come alongside, and we consider them better than us, oh, did I, did I say that? I did, sorry, okay. We consider them before ourselves, and we go out and we serve in the name of Jesus, right? That's what we do as believers. I encourage you to take that card and sign up today. And then coming up, I talk to you about how we're now going to really kind of stretch our volunteer capacity and doing what is really very uncommon out there. Huh? Maybe we're going we're gonna to be implementing a middle school program, XP3, in our kids' programs for middle schoolers because we feel that there's a niche that, that needs to be met for them. You know, you got a middle schooler, start praying right now about putting them into this, this special ministry for them. huh? And then right after that, a couple of months later, a few months later, we are gonna, we're creating a special need, a, a ministry, a program for children with special needs. I'd say about one in, yeah, that's incredible. I, I don't, I'm not an original guy. I try and see what I can learn. I, had, I, I really, I had a hard time finding a church that had a middle school program during the time of worship, not Sunday school, but during the time of worship, something that was kind of mirror that, where kids could come in, worship as middle schoolers, you know, hear me sing, oh, Christy sing, okay. You're supposed to laugh at that, okay. 
and then go in and spend a time with their peers so they're getting the dual effect as they transition from kids into, you know, us. I thought we'd think, wow, this is an opportunity. I couldn't find one. It's very uncommon. I'm going to say one in a hundred, one in a couple hundred, maybe 300, and hey, we want to do this. You know, something is a battle there, right? It's not happening, it needs to happen. And the, special, and the special needs for children on Sunday, I think we'd probably be one of five in all of New England. Out of maybe 20,000, 25,000 churches, five, to maybe six, seven churches that have a program on a Sunday for children with special needs, for parents who are just battling, hanging by a thread, trying to see their life through with this child with special needs, that on a Sunday, you know, it struggles for them to come in and even be with God's people and, and, and trying to make excuses or apologize or handle or have compassion for their child, and there's nothing there. And we being Chair City Church, who we are, we're going to step out into the battle and we want to create a space. We're dedicating a large amount of space, less storage. Less, don't ask me where my office is. My office is where the special needs program is going to be, Okay. And we can do that. But will you get in the game? Will you be a kingdom builder with your time, with your finances, with your prayers? Will you be a kingdom builder today? God is calling you to do that. Now, you can do that today. You can, you can start building our kids' ministries by taking that join a team card and signing up for to serve in kids' ministries, nursery, preschool, kids' church. You want middle, middle school? And, and all that just makes us stronger. It makes us stronger. When these people come, they'll come with children of different ages. So sign, join today. Just be a part of what we're doing. It all comes together. When people come, when we finish Halloween, I'm going long, I'm doing it again. But when we finished the Trunk or Treat event, there were people in here that went in here for the first time and said, man, it's going to take you a week to keep clean this place up. I got witnesses that overheard that. It took us two hours because of people who jump in and volunteer and that want to be kingdom builders. You are not alone. You are together. Join a team. Be part of something here. Get or just take the step, man. Who knows where God is going to take that? And if you got that heart for the middle school, write XP3. XP3 on the card. Fill it out. We know where it goes. If you want to be part right now, beginning to build that team for people who work with special needs. It's going to be like, like one-on-one, one to one, one two. A lot of volunteers. Turn around. And do we, do we, do we, have, we, don't have, we have three, we have two definitive people that will work with me to head this up. The other day, Chris and I spoke to one woman who said, yeah, I mean, that's what we got. We, we, we need probably three or four times that. But all I know is I want to build the kingdom. I'm not looking what I have. I'm not looking what I could do. If we're going to rely on that, it's not, I promise you it's not going to go well. I'm believing in what God has called you to do. I'm believing in God's promise on your life. I'm believing that God has called you to do great things according to his purpose and that he will inspire you to get off the bench, out of the sands, and get onto the playing field. Yes, write special needs children on the card and hand it in. And we will, for the first time in the coming weeks, be taking a special Christmas offering to facilitate and to make this wonderful special needs program happen here at Cheer City Church. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for us to see the look on a mother or father's face when they're, as they're worshiping, that their child has had a good, nurtured, meaningful time. To God be the glory. Run to the battle. Keep your helmet on. Have a great day.